0: Hello and welcome everyone to the Almost Awesome Podcast, the only podcast where the emergency exits are not clearly visible. I'm your host Tanner Rainhurst, and today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man. Again, I I think this is like my fourth or fifth episode where I talk about Spider-Man in some capacity. Like, my first episode was on the latest PS4 game, then one episode I covered Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and just about every other time I start talking about Marvel stuff, I get into how much I love Spider-Man. Well, and just so you know how much I love Spider-Man... My mom made a Spider-Man themed bedroom for me when I was a kid and even painted a brick wall on one side where I would – and I slept on this bunk bed and I had a like fake web in the corner where I slept so I felt like Spider-Man. So you can understand where I'm coming from. Uh, So besides the quick shout out to my mother there, um, I want to talk about the sequel – to Spider-Man Homecoming, that has finally arrived, and that's far from home. Thus creating what is going to be the weirdest subtitles for a series of movies. I mean, what's next? Spider-Man Homeschooled? Spider-Man Home Invasion? Spider-Man Homeless? Anyway, back on track. So, does this movie live up to the standards of a lifelong Spider-Man fan... And would more casual moviegoers have fun at this film? Well, the easy answer is yes. Yes, they do. But, well, to really understand the answer to that question, we have to take a look at what kind of movie this is. And the kind of movie that this is, is more of a fun, teen, comedy, superhero film. Which isn't usually how the Spider-Man films are. Like, Let's take a look at the first Spider-Man movie. I mean, Spider-Man movies have always been, at least in my opinion, the standard for making a superhero film, for better or worse. The first Spider-Man movie is a classic. and may not be the first superhero origin story. It's definitely got the formula right so other movies would take from it. The story of an awkward teen, an everyman, who is given great responsibility and then has to get some great power as well. At least, like, I think that's how the story goes, right? Anyway, Spider-Man 2 is what I consider, at least, to be the best superhero movie of all time. Because despite the campiness of Sam Raimi's directing, which is kind of endearing, it highlights the most enduring aspect of Peter Parker's character. The life of a superhero fucking sucks. Even though he is driven to help people, it comes at the cost of so much in his personal life, which is already hard enough for him to navigate with being poor and socially awkward. Now, after two, there have been some questionable attempts at making good Spider-Man movies. The third Raimi film suffered from just way too many story elements stuffed into it. The Amazing Spider-Man 1 was a decent reboot, but takes itself way too seriously, and the second one tries way too hard to be its own cinematic universe. Now, I like both those films, but I can't defend their flaws. Which brings us to the new Spider-Man in the MCU, which has done a great job of not only making Spider-Man a part of that universe, but also showing us how a small-time hero relates to the rest of these big-time events that happen in all the other movies. The last movie, Homecoming, was much more of a light and fun story instead of just giving us another origin story. They give us a new perspective of a young kid wanting to be a legitimate superhero, but is still growing and changing. The problem with the movie was that there were Little to no consequences for Peter's actions. Sure, he messes up hard and when he's trying to help people and really lets down the people that he's close to, which is true to his character, but everything works out pretty well for him after he becomes more humble. So, with all the standards set and the shortcomings from all the other movies established, how does Far From Home stack up? Well, pretty damn well, I would say. It gets all the important aspects of Peter Parker's character intact, along with the classic obstacles he has to face, while in a totally different context and keeping the lighthearted theme from homecoming. The whole plot revolves around Peter going on a class trip to Europe with his friends. He's doing this because he wants to take a break from Spider-Man, which happens sometimes in the comics and even in some of the movies, when something emotional happens and Peter feels like he needs to put away the mask for a while and tries to escape his responsibility, which never works out for him because he realizes he can't just sit back and do nothing when people need him. This time, he's grieving the death of Tony Stark from Avengers Endgame, but now people are looking to Spider-Man as someone to fill the void Iron Man left behind, but Peter feels that it's impossible for him to live up to that standard. On top of that, he's trying to tell... MJ, played by Zendaya, I think is how you pronounce her name. I think so. That he likes her and wants to spend time with her on her trip, and that is something that is so relatable to me, and I'm sure so many other people. Where you just trying to spend time with the person that you like, but things keep getting in the way. The main this main motivation for our hero helps bring back the feeling Spider Man goes through in Spider Man Two where everything keeps going wrong when he just tries to get the thing he wants most. It's definitely something that I struggle with, even today at 26, when I'm trying to spend time with someone with the person that I like. But unlike Spidey, it's less about my heroic actions I definitely do all the time, and more about my near-crippling social anxiety. But this film doesn't try to be Spider-Man 2 in, se- in that sense, and stays to the fun teen ass comedy that Homecoming was, which is nice, and these films are designed to be that rather than other Marvel superhero films that we see. And in that respect, it's a breath of fresh air from some of the super-serious world-ending threats like in the Avengers films. The MCU Spider-Man films have much lower yet personal stakes for our characters to overcome which are also very important and it's nice to see the juxtaposition with the rest of Marvel. The main thread of this film has to do with these four elementals popping up and destroying cities and then being stopped by a new superhero Mysterio. Spider-Man is roped into helping Mysterio aka Quentin Beck played by Jake Gyllenhaal by Nick Fury kind of against his will even going as far as to kind of maybe kidnapping him. Now, we're going to go into a lot of spoiler territory, because I want to talk about something that was bugging me leading up to this film. Mysterio, as I mentioned, is played by Jake Gyllenhaal, which, side note, his performance as Mysterio is spectacular. Uh, He's introduced in the trailers and in this movie as a new hero, even though, in the comics, he is a villain. And not just any villain. But a villain that uses holograms and special effects to stage crimes, to make himself look like a hero, or something supernatural, or to frame or trick something else—he's uh, basically every Scooby-Doo villain. Yet for some reason, people online, friends of mine, and even legitimate news sites that report—sorry—report uh, on this stuff, such as Watch Mojo or Scream Rants were convinced that even knowing Beck's background, he was going to be a hero, which was baffling to me on how someone could think that. Just knowing he is a classic trickster character, I was fully expecting him to be the main villain and for him to be manipulating events. I think the reason that so many people thought this, that he was going and didn't think that he was going to be a villain, was... A combination of the Elementals looking like other classic Spider-Man villains, and also the fact that Beck mentions that he's from another universe, which, after Into the Spider-Verse, people were kind of excited about. This would actually open up new possibilities for stories in the MCU, right after the ending of a saga that involves Iron Man and the Infinity Stones, which... I see the appeal, trust me, and it's definitely something they could have gone with, but I knew there were only two possibilities for this plot. Either A, Beck is from another universe and is sub- subsequently opens up the possibilities that I mentioned before, but is, you know, st- still manipulating events to get what he wants, or B, Quentin is lying about the whole thing and is trying to make himself look like a superhero, and guess what? It was B. Now, some of the things I thought were going to happen didn't. Like, I thought that he wasn't even going to look like Jake Gyllenhaal. But really, that's a holographic disguise to make him look handsome. Like, it's a vanity thing, because Jake Gyllenhaal was already an odd choice from the start, even though I really loved his performance. I also thought Nick Fury was just going to be another one of Beck's illusions, which at one point turns out to be true, but it's only for one scene, so Nick Fury is a character in this film. But that turns out that I was only half right, because the Scrawls from Captain Marvel were posing as Nick Fury, which I didn't see coming. But just because I knew what was basically going to happen, because I know basic story structure and the history of the character didn't mean I can't enjoy it and appreciate what they do with the story. Because knowing how a story goes is one thing, but seeing how well they can craft the characters and even get me to like Mysterio because he genuinely likes Peter, that's still a treat to experience. I've wanted to see Mysterio on the big screen for a long time, and this was honestly the best way they could have done it. Making him likable, feeling his deception come through, feeling the betrayal, and even him using his illusions to mess with Spider-Man in their fights together was exactly what I wanted from this character, so it was very satisfying, and I was impressed that they were able to pull all of this off so well. I mean, the whole movie is about deception and revealing the truth. The underlying themes of Peter wanting to tell MJ about how he feels while also holding back the fact that he's Spider-Man. And in turn, MJ trying to figure out that Peter is in fact Spider-Man to confirm that her own suspicions, while also denying the fact that she really likes Peter too because she's afraid of letting people get close to her. And even Spider-Man continuing to lie to his friends about what he's doing. And of course, Mysterio being the extreme example of this. Using these illusions and lies to justify his actions and trying to change what is true. And, you know, in a world of social media, and they even go into this a little bit in the film, when some of the elementals are popping up, there are stories being reported by Buzzfeed in the film about who these people might actually be. When Peter fights the water monster, they make reference to him being Hydro man from the comics. And it's a little bit of an Easter egg, but the characters make mention like, yeah, you really shouldn't believe everything you read on Buzzfeed. There are multiple references in this film to like the authenticity of the news that we read and consume and figuring out what's true and what's not. So, this, as I said, it's really interesting because Spider-Man is a character that naturally lies to everyone about what he does. And this kind of leads into the big shocking twist at the end that I actually didn't see coming. During one of the mid credit scenes in the film, after Spider-Man takes on Quentin Beck... Quentin Beck is subsequently killed in the attack by his own doing. But in stopping Mysterio's illusions and the drones that he creates to help fool people, he comes up with a new plan right at the end where he decides to edit footage and edit audio to make it seem like Spider-Man is behind this attack. And then... Sends this off to the Daily Bugle, which leads to the cameo appearance of J.K. Simmons returning to his role as J. Jonah Jameson, which is an absolute treat. But Quentin Beck's footage implicates Spider-Man as the perpetrator of his own attack and also reveals to the entire world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Thus, forever changing the status quo of Spider-Man films. Creating a huge consequence for Peter's actions. And now, that's something new that we're going to have to deal with. It completely changes the landscape of what Spider-Man films are going to be about. And honestly, I'm super excited about what the future might hold. Which... After doing Avengers Endgame and this new Spider-Man film is a good thing. We want to be drawn in to see what's next. Instead of just thinking, yep, the story's done. So, it's... So, let me uh, just focus on a little bit more stuff that I didn't really highlight yet. Uh, The supporting cast in this movie are great. Like the two teachers played by comedians and the other younger classmates of Peter uh, really round out a nice comedic tone to this film and helps keep the lightheartedness going and keeps everything from being too serious, which I really enjoyed. Um, Also, I want to take a time... I've mentioned Jake Gyllenhaal's performance as Mysterio is amazing, and after seeing him in roles like Nightcrawler, um this kind of role is right up Jake Gyllenhaal's alley. And if you haven't seen Nightcrawler, go see that. I might do a review on that just because I don't think enough people talk about that film. Um Peter Park or uh Tom Holland as Peter Parker and Spider Man is a really good mixture of Toby Maguire's awkwardness and kind of yeah his, his awkwardness the kind of melancholy feel that you get from the Sam Raimi films Tom Holland gets a good mixture of that plus the lighthearted quippiness Of Andrew Garfield's character and creates his own new take on the character, which is a very young and eager guy. But at this point in his story, he's growing, he's learning, he's changing, he's reevaluating. And Tom Holland does a great job of taking us through that emotional journey that Peter Parker is going through and becoming more of his own superhero. He's capable of being a leading man, of taking us on the journey and being a protagonist. Definitely filling the void that Robert Downey Jr. is going to leave on the MCU. And I think that's the kind of the point of this film, Spider-Man coming into his own, which these films really rely heavily on the Iron Man influence to a fault, I believe, because... It takes away some of the other relationships that Peter Parker has established, like with Mae Parker, his aunt, who was barely in this film. And the only references to her is that she looks like Marissa Tomei, so they just keep milking that joke for all it's worth. And don't even get me started that there's still no mention of Uncle Ben I get that they're they don't want to rehash the origin stuff in these movies, but come on, you can still mention Ben Parker. I don't know why we're not I don't know why it's suddenly taboo for them to discuss him. Like we all know that he died from a mugger that Peter Parker could have stopped, but just because we saw those in two different Spider-Man films doesn't mean we can't know that it happened and refer to them and know that Peter misses him. And it creates this weird kind of thing where Peter Parker feels more, idolizes Iron Man more than his own flesh and blood. It's It creates a disconnect from what made Peter Parker... His entire drive of being Spider-Man was that he couldn't save Uncle Ben when he could have. But now, it's kind of evolving from a hero worship standpoint, which is sort of the wrong motivation, and you're changing a core aspect of the character. And it's fine for him to worship Iron Man and want to be like him and maybe feel like he can't, but... We gotta remember that Ben Parker was there first. And I know that's hard to do without establishing it in the films. Because if you establish it in the films, then everything else has to go along that. It's a structure, it's a story. So it's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. And so. I'm just kind of disappointed that we don't get more of the Uncle Ben aspect. Um, But, I also want to talk about a performance that I didn't think I would enjoy as much as I did. uh, Which is Zendaya's performance as MJ, who in this universe is named Michelle Jones. Because they didn't want everyone to freak out before the film was aired that someone of a different ethnicity of Mary Jane Watson was playing her character. And just leaving it as kind of a surprise that, hey, it's MJ. Um, But, you know, racists on the internet aside, I really, really enjoy her performance as MJ, this new iteration of her character. MJ has always been this character that's kind of the free-spirited art student that's kind of into the weird nerd. And that's been an enduring aspect of her character. Recently, in most mediums, especially the Spider-Man PS4 game, which I mentioned this before, they sort of make her into a more serious uh, reporter-type character, which I don't necessarily love for the character of M.J., But they have a little bit of both of those character types in Zendaya's performance where she's kind of this, not really emo-ish, but this kind of apathetic character that pretends like she doesn't care and puts up her own wall to prevent people from getting close. Because of her own insecurities and her awkwardness. And she plays it so well. But she's obsessed with finding the truth. And doing what is like protesting. Fighting for what's right. And calling out injustices. All these like little rebellious kind of things that can go into a teenager. She plays so well. And I love this kind of character. And... If this kind of character becomes like a reporter character of some kind or a journalist, I would actually be okay with that. I would appreciate that angle and I'm real and I really like how both her and Tom Holland have great chemistry on film, both being kind of these awkward people that not sure how to tell the other one they like them. And it's kind of a sweet little love story. And I loved it. it. It made my cold heart beat for just one minute. So it's really enjoyable to watch. The whole movie is enjoyable to watch. The action scenes, the, the creativeness in the action scenes, because that's another part of Spider-Man's character, is that with the webbing and the jumpings and the tight butt uh, make for... All these great action scenes that you just can't wait to see how he creatively gets out of every mess. Which, again, another enduring part about Spider-Man's character. He has to go through so much, and just like other characters like Walter White or Iron Man, we're just wondering how he's going to outthink his opponents or get out of this situation next. Which, Spider-Man is... Kinetically, a very entertaining character to watch. So overall, this is one of the best Spider-Man movies they have done. If I had to choose the order, it would go Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1 of the Sam Raimi trilogy, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and then this movie. And the other movies eh, kind of all exist in a weird limbo of fifth place. Except for Homecoming. Homecoming was actually still pretty good. So, overall, it made a lifelong Spider-Man fan like myself very happy. But, it's got so much more in it and the fact that it's structured as a fun comedy drama or comedy teen superhero movie that it's got enough for everybody and the whole family to go enjoy and it's the perfect summer blockbuster so if you haven't already come and check it out if you have seen it go ahead and uh Comment on this episode or let me know what you thought of it, either through social media and I'll talk about it. I'm planning on starting a a Discord page for my Patreon so we can talk about these movies in general because I would love to know what you think, what you were hoping to see from this movie or what you hope to see from Spider-Man movies in the future. So that's going to be it today. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and I'll see you next time.